Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And back on the show is Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani, who told me just before we started, he said, no team that gets swept by the Oakland A's could ever win the World Series. Right, Sean? That's, that's I not possible. I did not say that. I did not say that. It <laughs> happened in 2017, actually. <laughs> Yeah, but that wasn't the same A's team. This this is a triple A team. Just, it wasn't the same Astros team either. Only five players remain from 2017 to now. I'm just saying, like, 64 and 32, you know, 17, 22, get swept by the A's, 17 and 22. It's baseball. Weird things happen, man. So I'm not counting these guys out. It, it happens. Like, uh, I heard – who did I hear? I heard somebody over the last uh, day or two talking about, like, uh, the crappy crowds in Oakland. And, you know, the fact that, you know, the Astros just kind of can't get over the hump with these guys. The A's played them good before the All-Star break as well. If you remember, I think they ended up taking two or three from them uh, at that point in time. But, you know, that was here uh, in Houston. But going to Oakland, playing in front of three, four, five thousand people in that cavernous stadium. I mean, it's got to be hard to get up for that. And I can all I ever think of when I see the Oakland Athletics on TV is Moneyball and how crappy everything was in that movie you know paying for sodas their locker rooms sucked and you know so I kind of have that in my head and it's hard for a team I imagine to to some degree to kind of get excited to play baseball there at the Coliseum they need the booze right yeah they do (laughs) (laughs) we're days away Sean from the trade deadline the names being knocked around are 30 year old Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras who'd Bring an 811 career OPS, but he's a free agent in November, so you got to consider that. You got 29 year old Nationals first baseman Josh Bell, who has an 825 career OPS, but is having a career year with an OPS nearly at 900. He's also a free agent in November, so you got to consider that when you trade for him. Finally, 29 year old All Star Reds pitcher Luis Castillo, who's Having a career year himself with a 2.77 ERA, it's 3.62 for his career. So it's almost a run lower this year. He has one year left after this season on his contract. So my first question is, which one of these three would you get most excited about if the Astros made a play for them? That's tough because they're all three very important positions on this Astros roster right now, right? Um, You know, I would almost feel a little indifferent about Contreras um, if they only got him from the Cubs because you're not getting rid of Maldonado and Contreras is an everyday catcher. Maldonado's an everyday catcher. Um, whether or not he'd be comfortable with, you know, scaling back his role, but still, you know, applying his value and working with the staff. Um, I, I don't know. That's a very difficult thing for me because he just seems so vital to this team. Um, but to what degree, I'm not exactly sure. Wilson Contreras, 30 years old, you broke it down. Um, you know, he's on an expiring contract, so the Astros wouldn't be on the hook for very much of his money this year. I think he's only getting paid like $9.5 million, so you'd pay him the remainder of that. But he's he's a good-hitting catcher. He's got some pop. He gets on base. He's got a good arm, good pop time. Um, he's improved drastically over the course of the last – a uh, couple of three seasons with his framing of pitches. Uh, he's got a new technique. Um, I, you know, I kind of have a dream scenario if, in fact, uh, the Astros did go after Contreras here. 
I, I don't know if I'd be comfortable with who they'd have to give up for this deal, but I like it. What if the Astros were able to get both Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras from the Cubs? Uh, I don't know if you saw the exchange a couple of days ago, them hugging in the dugout, uh, which presumably would be Contreras' last game at Wrigley Field uh, as a member of the Cubs. Um, I think that would be awesome. I think it's already difficult to go to a new ball club with, you know, less than 70 games remaining in a season and having to learn a new pitching staff, a new league, if you will. Always having somebody go with you is ideal. Rarely happens, but in the case of this, you know, Ian Happ provides, um, you know, the Astros great value as well. He's a utility player at the end of the day. His large part played left field this season for the Cubs. Solid hitter, gets on base. He's only 27. He, too, is on an expiring deal. Um, Very cheap all things considered. I think it would just be fantastic. Those two guys, if, if, if James Click could pull something off there, I don't know what it would take, but I'd have to go Contreras just because of the value of the position and the future prospectus of him being an Astro in years to come. Is there any price that you think is too much for one of these guys that's a minor leaguer not named Hunter Brown? Or maybe even Jonner Diaz, maybe he's a guy that you want to keep around because, you know, he's just tearing it up and he's a he's a future catcher. And if you go after, say, a Contreras, you might not have him beyond this year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good question. Um, I, I think it's it's kind of easy for me and it's 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 easy to single Hunter Brown out. And, you know, Corey Lee being one of their top prospects, he's already up with them as well. Forrest Whitley is you know, one of their top five prospects, but he's so up and down health wise and performance wise. I just don't know what to make of it. Um, what would be too much is if you had to give up, let's say two or three of your top 10 prospects um, in one of these deals that James Click uh, would potentially make. You know, he said the other day that he's being very aggressive and the report came out before he'd actually even said it. But the fact that uh, priority is just being the aggressor for him, as he said, um, that could mean a lot of things, and it could very well mean um, they are aggressively shopping uh, their prospects, not necessarily in terms of who they would get in return, but they could be very aggressive in the prospects that they're shopping. I think Hunter Brown's an interesting one. I almost feel like with the latest report, if the Astros are willing to trade one of their starting pitchers uh, right now with Lance McCullers' future uh, to be quite honest, in flux, because while he's in the middle of a rehab start, you just can't guarantee anything. Anything could go wrong in one of these rehab starts. Um, the fact that they're shot, they they would shop one of their pitchers is interesting to me, and it almost guarantees, in my mind, Hunter Brown's not going anywhere. Because if you trade a starting pitcher, you're not giving away Hunter Brown as well. That's your number one prospect. That's a big-time arm. Um that's a guy that's major league ready. And if in fact they did trade a starting pitcher, maybe he gets a late season call up. I don't know. That's a lot to ask of a young kiddo, but it's also a guy that they've said is major league ready for months and months and months now. So I think that'd be interesting. The only way I see them trading. And I, I assume you're talking about one of the young guys. Cause I don't know what one of these teams would be interested in a notary but you're talking about Urquidy or Luis Garcia. And the only one of these trades that would make any sort of sense for that would be the one with the Reds with Castillo because you got him for an extra year after that. But I don't see how in modern baseball that you can give up a guy that's probably one of your 
four or five best pitchers uh, that's young and under club control for one of these guys that's just a rental at this point, unless you have a prearranged deal with the agent in place for an extension, you know, after at the end, at the end of the season, you would think these guys want to go to free agency because in baseball, they normally do. A hundred percent. You know, that's the trickiest part about discussing guys um, that you mentioned uh, Luis Castillo, Wilson Contreras, Josh Bell, uh, your three that you mentioned. I, I was looking at Ian Happ, who's on an expiring contract as well, also with the Cubs. Um, Andrew Benintendi, Kansas City Royal, he's on an expiring deal with the uh, with the Kansas City Royals. But if you look at a guy like Brian Reynolds, a center fielder from Pittsburgh, he's 27 years old, was an MVP candidate last year in the National League. He's having a, a down year, pretty considerable uh, downswing from his performance last year, but he's still a really solid hitter, gets on base, uh, but he's under team control until 2025. That could be appealing. Also, too, I thought about this. The Astros and Pittsburgh Pirates do have a relationship. They've done deals before. So I always think that's something to pay attention to. Uh, Sean Murphy, the catcher from Oakland, we've obviously seen a lot of him over the last um, you know, few weeks. Um, he's pretty comparable to that of Martin Maldonado and Wilson Contreras in terms of defensive uh, prowess. Uh, he's improved a little bit as well, has a good arm. In fact, one of the best arms in all of Major League Baseball from throwing behind the uh, dish. Really good pop time. Um, he's 27 under team control until 2025 as well. Those kind of guys right there that you have team control with that are also on some affordable deals for the remainder of this season, depending on who you're talking about giving up, um, they could cost you a major leaguer and a couple of prospects. They could cost you a couple of major leaguers and maybe one really good prospect. It just kind of depends on um, who you want to go after. And I've struggled with this. I'd be interested to know your thoughts on this, Robert. Like, which one of these positions, if we're talking about a corner outfielder, center fielder, uh, another bat off the bench, a catcher, first baseman improvement, which one do you put the highest of importance on at this point in time for the Astros? It's strange because I wouldn't have said this a few weeks ago, but, you know, Yuli looks done. And first base is a position that you can upgrade. You shouldn't have to pay a King's ransom for. I think Josh Bell isn't going to cost you anybody on your major league roster outside of maybe one of the 14 center fielders that you've run out there this year that is, is I don't feel like anybody, maybe with the exception of Jake Myers has a, has a real future of being a really good center fielder. So, you know, I, I just don't, and you're not going to give up Hunter Brown or, or John or Diaz, I think in a Josh Bell trade for a two month rental. So I think, you know, he's somebody that you could upgrade with and your compadre over at sports radio 610, Adam Spillane mentioned that a cheaper value than bell potentially a guy of first baseman on the market would be diamondbacks christian walker who has a 768 career yeah. ops two more years of arbitration before he becomes trade eligible you know he's not josh bell but he's given you probably 60 or 70 points more in ops than what yuli's giving you right now and and it wouldn't cost you hardly anything i would assume uh with what he is and where what position he plays and you know the diamondbacks you know i, I saw that and adam tweeted that out and I, I like the tweet. I like the thought. Um, but isn't it about this year as well? You know, it, it is about this year. Like, you need production uh, offensively, defensively at the first base position this year. You're trying to win a World Series this year. You worry about next year and future years in the offseason. If you can do something in the middle of a season to improve your squad this year and it makes sense for you, 
you know, within the next year or two or three beyond whatever the case may be contractually um, with the player. Fine. I, I, I get that. That's kind of having your cake and eating it too. And it rarely happens in major league baseball, especially with the club that is, um, you know, vying for another world series appearance and a win like the Astros are, but my gosh, you know, looking at those numbers for this season, switching leagues, that concerns me learning new pitchers. Um, it just doesn't feel like, um, and nothing is a guarantee, but it doesn't feel like that makes the best sense for this ball club this year. You know, um, you could look at a lot of guys um, that aren't first basemen, mind you, but just some of the ones that I've mentioned, Brian Reynolds, Sean Murphy. Uh, I didn't even mention Trey Mancini, who I think is an interesting option for the uh, Astros uh, would solve your corner outfield position. Potentially. He also uh, is DH quite a bit this season. I think in fact, DH probably uh, much more so um, for the Orioles this year than he has played a corner outfield position but also guys like Ian Happ, like they're proven hitters. Like you kind of know what you're getting. And with Walker, it's, boy, this is a really bad year for him. You know, with a lot of the other metrics I get, uh, what's the one you mentioned? I, I don't know if it was OPS or right. War, War Plus, but I mean, my gosh, you know, on-base percentage, batting average, OPS, like just overall production, um, I haven't taken a look at some of the fan graph stuff in terms of like what kind of pitches he's swinging at, his contact rate, all that stuff. But just the eye test for me, it doesn't do it. Yeah, and I guess the reason I I, I select first base and I, I I would go with Josh Bell because I think he can be had and not given up the farm. You know, as you know, somebody like maybe a Castillo would cost you, or even Contreras is going to cost you with the value that he has as a catcher, which is you know so hard to find these days, but. Uh, I just feel like first base is something that you can definitely upgrade. It's not going to cost you as much. I, I honestly, Sean, I don't understand the Luis Castillo deal because like I said, his numbers this season look more like an outlier. You can say, Oh, he's improving a lot, but do you trust that his stats aren't much different than Garcia or, or Keedy When you look over the course of his career, even, you know, and in some ways they're, they're, you know, they're definitely better than this year, but they're not, it's not light years better than this year. And why give up any major capital for him? And, and, you know, that trade definitely is going to hurt, you know, from an asset perspective that, yeah. you, you know, first base would not hurt you. I, I always wonder how much these trades would hurt because I think it'd be a little bit different type of a sting. If in fact you were trading for Luis Castillo, who maybe just signed a major deal. Uh, two years ago, and he's in the midst of a six, seven-year contract with a ball club making really good uh, Major League Baseball money. But that's not the case. You know, the fact that he would be a rental player and he is on an extremely cheap deal um, this season for the way that he has performed. You know, I just watched him get off the mound a few moments ago, and it wasn't one of his best outings over the course of the last uh, month that he's put together but heck prior to the start uh this evening uh Wednesday night he'd gone I think seven innings and three straight starts allowing one earned run in each of them uh so three total earned runs combined but, and he's done a, he's had a, he's put together a very very good season that kind of comes back to my point I don't know how much it would sting and that's up for James Click to decipher how much he wants to incur pain that is uh in a deal but it is about this year 
it is about this year. If Luis Castillo is one of those guys that helps put you over the top, then I say go out and do it. However, you've got Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia, Jose Arquiti, Jake Odorizzi has been an innings eater. He probably won't pitch a lick for you in the postseason, but you might not need him to because hopefully Lance McCullers is able to do that. And you've got your ace and Justin Verlander. That is the best staff, certainly one of the best staffs, in all of the postseason that you will see anywhere from L.A. to New York down to Houston. Why would you make that deal? You don't need to make that kind of a deal. I always thought Luis Castillo and a starting pitcher is kind of odd to me because, hell, you've got a whole bunch of guys, your entire staff that has postseason experience already and is pitching out of the world, out of the world this year. Framber Valdez is supplanting himself as a second ace on this staff. Proof's in the pudding. You know, how many starts do you need to see? So first base, catcher, corner outfield, get that lefty out of the pen. Um, uh, there's a fella um, in Arizona who I think could solve, you know, the lefty situation if you're looking for that out of the pen. Uh, Joe Man- uh, Mantipley, the left-handed pitcher for uh, Arizona. He's been terrific this year. Strikeout to walk ratio, 38 Ks to just two walks all season. This is his first all-star appearance this year. That's what you need, really. And if, if, if you look at over the course of the last, what, week and a half, two weeks prior to the all-star break, if, if, if the Astros pitching has shown you anything, it's that it does need to be bolstered because Framber, Jose, Luis, Justin, uh, Jake, they're not all going to go out there on any given night and give you seven or eight innings. There have been a lot more five and six inning appearances with a struggle to get into the sixth and seventh from some of these guys. And you're going to go through your bullpen. Just a few days ago, they were taxed. Yeah. Well, and part part of that was the doubleheader that they had against the Yankees. Sure. I mean, that played into it and they're playing four games in five and they're all stressful games and, and all of that sort of thing. I, I I feel pretty comfortable in these starters going into the postseason and, and unless you get one of these just guys that you can put up there with Verlander and Fromber, and I just don't know if Castillo is that guy. And I don't mind paying that price if it was a Max Scherzer type or these guys that's like a legit one too. But Castillo, to me, hasn't proven enough. And, you know, he hasn't been in these type of situations. He's been with the Reds. So, like, this is a whole new thing for him. And you talk about changing leagues. He's changing leagues, and it's tougher. And you're and, and now you're having – you know, to face the, the DH on a regular basis, which he hasn't had to do consistently over the last few years. I'll, I'll just say this, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll have to talk about it until we don't, until August 2nd, you know, hits and something happens. But I just think the Astros, I, I don't even want to call it rolling the dice, but I think um, they've been very careful. We'll have to wait and see if I can use the word responsible with Lance McCullers or not, but it's worked out. They've had the benefit of doing what they've done with him um, rehab wise. I'll just say this. I think they are betting. And I think it seems like a pretty damn good bet right now. Cause I trust this medical staff. Guess what? If Justin Verlander trusts this medical staff, I think Lance McCullers should trust the medical staff. I think we should trust the medical staff. I think they're betting that he is ready to go and he's going to help them down the stretch in the postseason. That's what it's all about. You're paying them seven years, $85 million to do exactly just that, help you win playoff games, get to a World Series, and win that sucker as well. I don't think you need to go out and get a Luis Castillo and, you know, squeeze five to seven 
mm, who knows what kind of start since he's switching leagues and working with completely different catcher and all that stuff for what that's not where you need the most help at if i'm ranking this that starting pitcher is on the very bottom of my totem pole for what the astros really need help with right now yeah and i like i said i would put at the the easiest and the best value to me is going after that first base position center field. I don't know what to do with Jake Myers yet, because to me, there just hasn't been enough sample size to see where he's at. I, I don't like some of his just sort of weird errors, like lack of focus errors that I, I I've never seen from any Astros center fielder recently where a ball just bounces off his glove and gets past him or something like that. But I've seen Jake Myers last year where I was perfectly fine going into the playoffs with him. And he looked really good defensively. And he he was showing he was definitely showing things. And, you know, it's been up and down, but it's 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 only been a month. We don't know where he is as far as his physical ability coming back from, you know, the the injury and the shoulder and all that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, McCormick at least is serviceable. And he's a and you know, it's it's not for nothing that McCormick and Siri any one of those two guys, if you go into a playoff situation, you know you're going to get some good defense out of uh, out of those two guys. They're they're really good. We we almost take them for granted how good defensively both of those guys are at running things down, and 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 their arms aren't bad either. A hundred percent. Defense is usually it's always forgotten. It's always the least respected. But um, I think their offensive shortcomings are a little bit easier to kind of poke a hole in and looking through a magnifying glass and. Ex- um, you know, discuss their, be very critical of them. Um, when you're in, in the midst of a season in which Alex Bregman has, you know, struggled mightily and has certainly over the course of the last month plus uh, seemingly come out of that, though Yuli Gurriel has not, um, we'll have to wait and kind of see what sort of rookie wall Jeremy Pena maybe hits, Jake Myers, um, small sample size. I firmly believe the Astros whether or not they've waned in their belief over the course of the last uh, month with Jake, I still think believe in him in the future. And he can be, he is a major league player. Maybe it's not necessarily with this team. It depends on, uh, it depends on their, uh, their anxiety level and, and exactly where they need to hem up the shortcomings offensively with this ball club. If they're not going to do it at the catching position, then it certainly has to come down to, not waiting on the health of Michael Brantley, not wanting to trot Jordan Alvarez out there in left field um, too much, uh, more than they have to. And certainly you have to do something at first base because you've given Yuli Gurriel every opportunity to kind of turn this around. But at 38 years of age, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, on a one-year $7 million contract, I believe it is this season, he's got to give you more. Forget about how cheap you think you got a guy that just won a batting title for you last season. You have to get production because you have this window that you've set yourself up for within this organization to win World's Series. And right now, he's not a World Series winning first baseman. Years past, you could get by with it because you knew what you had at shortstop. You knew what you had at third base. A perennial MVP candidate, Alex Bregman, that's what he was looking like to a lot of people. You knew you could stomach the 205, 215 from behind the dish from Martin Maldonado, but those things, and you knew what you had in center field and George Springer. And that's the one position that you've let go in recent years that you just haven't been able to make up for. Um, and that one really, really stings. I'm not going to say it was the worst move ever made by James Click, but it was certainly one that continues to sting because 
you've struggled with McCormick and Marisnik and Myers trying to fill that void in center. Yeah, and I don't even know how much it, James Click. It's a, you know Astros philosophy is we're not going to you know give long term contracts to guys who are like in their early to mid thirties, and you know that that that's a yet to be determined thing. You know how long that Springer contract is going to look good. And, and on all that, but definitely you haven't got, yeah, you, know, you can't, it's not like you find George Springer's like everywhere. So it's, yeah, that's real tough. You know, Hey, and, and I, I just off topic a little bit. I love the passion from the Astros fans these days on social media, Houston fan base, you know, we haven't always been the most passionate, so that's great to see, but I need to take a little second, Sean, for a Robert rant because <laughs> I get on Twitter, read the post, sometimes wonder if our fans Understand baseball is 162 games. You don't win the World Series by beating the A's one game in July. And just an example of the massive overreaction. Odorizzi has a bad outing on Monday. Fans want him traded, released that night. His family put in front of a firing squad. I mean, it's just one game. In his previous seven starts, he had a 2.31 ERA. The funny thing is Luis Garcia didn't look so hot the next night. His ERA... The previous seven starts 4.50, but because it's Odorizzi and, you know, you didn't like the way he pitched last year and, you know, obviously he had his struggles. It's just like nobody cared that Odorizzi needed a trainer out there twice for a finger issue from the postgame comments. It sounded like he was trying to give the team innings after they had just played five intense games in four days in two cities. So the fans, you've got to, this is not a sprint and, and, Dusty Baker sits guys down sometimes because he understands that there's a reason why the guy gets to the playoffs every year. Sean, it's that simple. I saw your tweet the other night in regards to the comparison between Odorizzi and Luis Garcia and what they've done over their last seven or eight starts. And I mean, yeah, like people have recency bias, they forget, but they are passionate and I love it. And I'll never criticize that because um, just is, you know, we get, uh, you know, S and, S's and G's, you know, from Twitter and watching insufferable Yankee fan, you know, every single night, like I'm kind of liking the uh, insufferable Astro fan, you know, you expect perfection every single night, but this is a conversation that I've had with you a couple of times this year alone. And that's, you know, Luis Garcia take, for instance, uh, before he left the game Tuesday night in the middle of the sixth inning, right. Um, he went, he entered the sixth, having allowed three runs on, no, four runs on three hits. Had the grand slam, right? Gave up the grand slam. That was, that was a bad mistake and a bad inning. And he wasn't, he wasn't himself. But damn, Robert, he gave him a, he put him in a position to win. You're in Oakland. It's one of the worst teams in baseball. Like you're coming off of, you know, doing what you did against the Yankees and winning five straight games, taking care of business against the Mariners. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you're expecting a little offensive bump here. But it's baseball. It's going to happen, man. Yeah. Like, a guy that puts you in position to win, like, I'm not going to crush him because he didn't go out and give you seven innings of two-hit, one-run ball and strike out 11. Like, when did we start expecting that to happen every single night? Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. It is, at, like, that's special. That's that that goes beyond quality start that you're talking about in expecting Cy Young candidates every single night in and night out. We are spoiled as a fan base and you're we agree on this. You know, when you had Verlander and Cole and Grinky, like, holy smokes, are you kidding me? Like how many Cy Youngs 
and wins and strikeouts that those guys have and playoff appearances those guys have amongst all three of them, not to mention what anybody else on the staff had compiled themselves. Like, this is just ridiculous, you know, to anticipate. I'm not even talking about Astros Twitter, Astro fans. I'm talking about the media. I'm talking about the national media. It is absurd to harshly criticize any team, any pitchers for being able to go out there and give you, you know, uh, a tough, you know, toughed out five and two thirds, giving up six hits and three runs. You know, I'm almost of the opinion where I think we need to amend what we deem a quality start because starting pitchers across Major League Baseball this season, and it's happened over the course of the last 20 years, you know what their innings pitch and usage is? It's going down. So when are we going to change, you know, how we view success by starting pitchers accordingly versus what their managers in the front office are paying them and expecting them to do? Not everybody has a Justin Verlander, a Max Scherzer, a Clayton Kershaw, you know, these aces that are eating up seven, eight innings every time out, throwing 99 their last few pitches of a ball game to grit it. It's just ridiculous. You can tell I'm a little bit passionate about this, just a little bit, but I, I think people just need to kind of calm down and enjoy. And I've said this time and time again over the last few weeks, I was on Sports Radio 610, cherish these moments because in 2017, I was having conversations, you and I were as well, about this being the golden era of Houston sports. Well, the Astros have been the only professional organization in this city to uphold their end of the bargain and not screw it up or flush it down the toilet. So just cherish it because one day this team will not be vying for a World Series, much less another AL West Division crown. Um, it's going to look pretty bleak around here, and you may not see the light at the end of the tunnel again, but because those days are coming. It happens to every organization. I want to get to some other golden era stuff because we just got a few minutes left. And, you know, this past weekend, the Hall of Fame ceremonies at Cooperstown, no former Astro got in, but it was a good list. David Ortiz, the headliner, of course, Jim Cott, Tony Oliva, Gil Hodges, Minnie Minosa, Bud Fowler, and the late, great Buck O'Neill get in. Sean, why don't they do this in prime time like the NFL? This is one of my sports pet peeves. The, the big showcase that you've got in baseball is – Cooperstown. You don't put it against all the games on a Sunday afternoon. I'd I'd make sure all the Saturday games are in the afternoon. Put it on the put it on Saturday night. Uh, if if you're not going to put it on Sunday night, the other thing that seems silly, having it outside in the afternoon, so all the inductees and former Hall of Famers are on a stage in suits, burning up in the heat. Hall of Famers, they're not young. So, no. what? Why is this at night? Why why isn't it at night? and prime time for the fans, for everybody involved. It makes no sense. It should be a showcase for baseball. One of the zillion of stupid things that they do all the time. It's appointment TV for me. I don't miss it. You know, it's almost like a, a major golf tournament. It's on in the Sunday afternoon and I'm home on the couch watching and I don't miss one millisecond of it. Um, so I, I guess I'd thought about that before, but and it, it's a fantastic point. Um, I've actually been to Cooperstown. Uh, once, well, a couple of times before, but once as a uh, member of the media, uh, myself and uh, Alex DeBario went up to Cooperstown a few years ago to uh, cover the uh, Jeff Bagwell induction. And that's no lie. It is hot, 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 hot like Houston hot up there. Um, sitting in on, on a white table, you know, in a sea of people, everybody needs shades. I mean, you're dripping in sweat. Like, yeah, it's hot. Okay. We're from Houston, Texas. We're used to it. Um, 
So there's no question about that. Primetime wise viewing, like, would it be better viewing? Would it be more enjoyable for people in attendance there? The Hall of Famers, certainly. Yeah, I don't know why they don't do it, but I agree with you that they should make it in the evening. The only thing that I can think of is maybe they don't want to disturb the small village of Cooperstown more than they have to. They don't want to take away their 630 wing of Jeopardy, ruin their dinner. I don't know. Like, certainly they don't care about that stuff because they haven't necessarily made any qualms about disrupting uh, America's pastime in recent years with all the changes that they've made. Um, But I I do think it's a good point by you. I want to ask you this question because I thought about this. Um, I didn't do any research on these two guys in particular, though I know probably far more about Buck O'Neill than your average fan, just because I make it a point to watch the documentary baseball from Ken Burns, who did it in 1994 and a fantastic job. I watched that like five, six times a year guaranteed. And Buck O'Neill ran that documentary. I mean, he's on there every 15 seconds. It seems like why, and how is it possible that Ed Fowler, the first African-American professional baseball player in the year of 2022 it, it's bud bud fowler don't confuse him with the old uh, houston chronicle guy ed fowler. what did i say did ed I fowler. Say ed fowler? oh hey props uh shout out to ed fowler why, why did it take him this long? i mean I, yeah how is that possible and then buck o'neill i mean i know statistically it was but i mean my gosh like let's be honest if not for buck o'neill in that documentary baseball most people wouldn't even know who that guy is. But because it's on literally every single weekend throughout the course of a year and run on 24-7 marathon during Thanksgiving and Christmas and World Series time, nobody would know who it is if they if he wasn't on that documentary and they didn't show that. But nevertheless, his impact of the game, as a contributor at the very least, he should have been in years and years and years ago. Your thoughts? Yeah, first African-American coach. I mean, there's so much wrong. I mean, we could talk about what's wrong with I mean, yeah, the whole thing frustrates me. They, they're always behind. They're always slow to react and all that. And uh, I, I wish I could tell you, but, you know, I, I grew up in Missouri and, you know, the Kansas City Monarchs were down the road. Uh, Buck O'Neill was down the road. He made his base out of Kansas City. So I love the guy. I watched the baseball documentary like everybody else. Uh, he basically was the historian, like the guy that came out of that, like a shining star. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. We're, we got we got to close it out real quick here, Sean. But I, I just want to hit one major story with the Texans this past weekend because second round pick John Mechie, if you ha- didn't hear, I'm sure most people know by now, announced he had cancer. He's out for the season. Crazy that this has happened now for the third time to the Texans in the last decade, Andre Hal, David Quesenberry hit by lymphoma. Hopefully Mechie makes it three for three in recovery, Sean. And, you know, we, we wish him his best, but it, it's tough because that was another threat that the Texans would have just from a football standpoint. And obviously what this guy's going to have to de- deal with is his life. But, you know, as everybody has said, he's in Houston. Doesn't get better than that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I was just talking about him at length almost every single day over the course of the last couple of three, four weeks, um, you know, uh, filling in for uh, Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, you know, and we're trying to figure out who the number two wide receiver is going to be. Is it going to be Nico Collins? Is it going to be John Mechie? Like, you know, what sort of contributions should we expect uh, from those guys this year? And, you know, a lot of people, 
uh, myself included, you know, talking Mechie up, you know, big time, excited, looking forward to seeing him on a football field this year. And boy, just you dealt with that news. And I can only imagine how difficult it is on uh, obviously him personally, but his family. Um, but I, I guarantee you this, you know, you mentioned two two players and one in particular should stand out um, that the Texans have taken core, taken care of uh, years past is Dan Questenberry. Um, they'll do the same thing with John Mechie, do right by him and his family, and you just hope for a speedy recovery and he can contribute to this team and community next year. All the best, brother. Thanks for doing this. Always great to have you. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh, 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 oh.